All right, thanks, Tracy. I believe I'm supposed to uh, tell you something this morning before we jump in the scriptures. Yes? If you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, back before uh, Christmas, we shared with you that through some commended missionaries, Justin Shannon Brown in Mombasa, Kenya, uh, of the fact that in their service there, they've discovered that children, many, many, many children are actually either born blind or go blind very early in life to what seems strange to us, cataracts. And so these children grow up and live their entire lives blind without any understanding that it's actually treatable, that, that, that they could be cured of their blindness. And even then, some who know uh, can't because they can't afford it, even though it can be between 200 to $400. That's all you're looking at based on where it happens, what age they are, and what, what level of surgery and anesthesia uh, they need. So we simply brought this before the body and uh, ask you to prayerfully consider how you might, by God's grace, this church here in Mandarin, as much as possible, eradicate blindness in that portion of Eastern Africa. So uh, you guys brought resources and we wanted to be able to share with you uh, what you gave. So if you have a message memo that has on the bottom of it, 124 circled, would you stand up? Over in South as well, if you, if you do this. All right, now some of you are beginning to thinking, oh, okay, they're being, what's this mean? Uh, 124 of you are standing right now. All right, what I want you to do, play along here. We're not gonna do anything mean to you. If you're standing, I want you to close your eyes. No peeking, I can see you. Okay, 120 of you are with your eyes closed. The rows of you who are seated with your eyes open, I want you to loudly read this together with me to those who have their eyes closed. Each of you standing represent at least six kids in Mombasa who will be able to say, I was blind and now I see. So, yeah, yeah, some of you are doing the math. What I'm saying is that each of you standing, representing six kids, there are, because of your giving, 744 children who will be able to say, I was blind, but now I see. That's amazing. That's, uh, that's amazing. If you're wondering what that means, that means uh, you gave $222,000 for blindness. Uh, I'm not sure who gave the 91 cents, but I'm, I'm equally grateful for that. Now, what that probably represents is some kids' lemonade money. So that's pretty cool. When we had the privilege of sharing with Justin this week on FaceTime, you could just see he was like, whoa, now... Now to find all the doctors who can be available to be able to deploy this. So, Lord willing, every quarter we'll be able to 
give you a number and maybe even, Lord willing, show you all the pictures uh, of those who were blind but see because of your generosity this Christmas. What a great gift to give, right? Uh, Even more than that, even more than that, uh, you know, Jesus healed people of blindness, not just so that they could see, but so that people would recognize he was the Savior, he was the Christ. So his physical healing was for an even greater work, a spiritual work. And that's what I want us to, to pray. Here's what we're going to pray. I want you to see it, and then I'm going to invite us to pray it together. I want us to pray together in a moment. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the incredible privilege to bless others as you have blessed us. We're going to ask that as hundreds of blind children receive the gift of sight, that they and their families would also receive the free gift of forgiveness and new life through faith in your son, Jesus. We're going to ask that you'd open every eye to the glorious gospel of grace, lead them to abundant life and eternal life. We're going to ask it for his glory. All right, can, can you get on board with that prayer? Yeah, I think we can. So uh, we're going to pray it out loud together right now. All right, Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the incredible privilege to bless others as you have blessed us. We ask that as hundreds of blind children receive the gift of sight, that they and their families would also receive the free gift of forgiveness and new life through faith in your son, Jesus. Would you open every eye to the glorious gospel of grace and lead them to abundant life and eternal life? We ask this to the praise of your great glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. What a great privilege to be a part of what God is doing on this planet. And before now we open the scriptures, let me, let me take one more step in terms of being instruments of God. It's one thing to stroke a check and change the trajectory, which is what is happening. Changing the trajectory of an entire life, an entire family uh, on the other side of the world. It's another thing to go, I won't just stroke a check, I'll invest some minutes of my life to change the trajectory of lives of children on this side of the planet. Every year in late summer, early fall, uh, we ask folks, to invest minutes for the sake of children in this body. And uh, very grateful for all who sign up. In reality, uh, throughout the fall, we always have attrition, folks who committed and started but couldn't continue. So we're kind of mid-year, and uh, we have right now a need for, as we go through the rest of this school year, some more volunteers in both our nursery, our preschool, our elementary, and some of the other areas. You can see there's a variety of needs that we have. And so I do love about this body of believers that I've said it multiple times, you are responsive to the Lord, helpful to those who need help, and generous with your resources. And sometimes Our resources to be generous with are not just our dollars, but our minutes. And so I want to ask that 
you might prayerfully consider how you might be able to serve in this way. Sometimes it is easier to just write a check. <laughs> and it's more sacrificial to give our minutes. But I think many of us would go, a person, when, when we were children, when we were children, somebody invested in us, their minutes. And it changed the trajectory of our life as well. And it's our privilege to be able to do for others what people did for us. So, Lord, I'm going to just pause in this moment and ask you. You're our head, Lord Jesus. Um, this is your body, your family. And we're thankful for the hundreds of kids that you've blessed this family with. And thankful for the youth and the adults who are giving their minutes currently the shaping of those lives, asking that you'd raise up some more. We're going to dedicate more babies next week. So, so the opportunity continues to grow. And so we're thankful for that, Lord. I ask you, by your spirit, to move in the hearts of your people in this room, over in South, even online, that you would move in the hearts of your people to be ready and willing to serve as they were so ready and willing to give. We're grateful for your headship. and We commit our body and your growth of it into the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, would you take your Bible now and join me in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, as we look together at maturing as a Christ follower. The basis for this series, Maturing as a Christ Follower, simply comes from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anybody is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, new things have come. But can I acknowledge for us all this reality? Even though we are in Christ, some old things take longer to pass away than others, and some new things take longer to become a part of our lives than others. Can you admit that? Yes. So some areas we seem to grow, and others we don't. And for some of us, some areas we grow a lot, and others just stay stuck. The old hangs around. And in one of those areas that it seems like, not universally, but for many, many, the, an area that stays stuck is this area of worry. That before we came to Christ, we worried about stuff, and now we're in Christ, and so old things ought to pass away and new things ought to worry remains. Now, that's not true for everybody. I had a couple text me after Thursday night and say, no, we never worry. And I was like, praise the Lord, you're a huge minority. Now, there might be some who are listening right now who go, yeah, yeah, I worried back in 2020, but I haven't worried anything. Hey, good for you. And I'm not being sarcastic when I say good for you. Good for you, that's fantastic. But I think many of us would acknowledge, yes, that you would go, well, uh, on a scale of one to 10, with 10 worrying daily, I'm a 12th. 
Or as a gal said Thursday night, no, I only actually worry about one thing in my life. I worry about it every day. So when you think about worry in your life, one, being like, yeah, I worried back in 2020. <laughs> 10, being like, I worry every day about whether it's health, your health, your kids' health, your kids, your grandkids, your finances, your job, how people perceive you, what people are thinking about you, what they're not thinking about you, your future, what it will hold, what it won't hold, about wanting to have children, about raising your children, about politics, about the 2024 election, about your retirement or your lack of retirement, about the stock market, about your safety. You see, my wife said, I didn't think I had worried. And then you started on the list and I was like, okay, I actually got a lot of things to worry about. I went from like a five to an eight just when you went through the list. I'm not trying to make us worry. I'm just trying to acknowledge that maturing in Christ is moving from a place where <clears throat> we are in, like everybody, worry, and then old things passing away, new things coming. So, do you have a number in your head? Okay, simple question. If you wish it was less, let me see your hand. All right, okay. Yeah, I, I can put both of mine up. Maybe I, maybe I feel this one so personally because I know my own capacity to worry about stuff. And I wish it was less. I think it is less, but I still wish it was even less. Good news. Uh, Jesus speaks very directly about worry. As he does, let me just lay some basics for us. Uh, the word worry in the New Testament simply means a divided mind. My, my mind is divided. It, it makes sense, if you're open there to Matthew 6, that Jesus speaks on a divided mind. Worry is the word we use. Right after he, in verse 24, the verse before, what did he say? You can't serve God and money. You'll love the one and love or hate the other. It's, he's speaking about a divided mind as it relates to God and money. And then he speaks about worry. And so uh, we understand that finances and worry often go hand in hand. At least Jesus understood that. He's simply saying worry is a divided mind. Now, some of you are, are thinking, no, I, I'm not worried. I, I don't worry. I have anxiety. <laughs> now, listen. I know some of you will be frustrated about this and you'll want to argue with me. Um, it's a different word, but the scripture is speaking about the same thing. Different English word, anxiety. Uh, I, 
when I realized, hmm, some people talk about worry and other people talk about anxiety. And I realized that's a generational thing. My generation talks worry. My kids' generation talks anxiety. Old people worry. Young people have anxiety. Same thing? Yeah, it's the same thing. We want to put it in a different category because young people don't want to be like old people. I did then have a person say, no, I, I don't worry about anything. I mean, I have panic attacks. And they, I didn't laugh. They were dead serious. What's a panic attack? It's just worry compressed into steroids in a huge moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried, okay? And, and, and I'm not making fun of this. This is real. I've walked this path with folks who aren't laughing about it at all. They get into a, a tight room and they have a panic attack. They get into a particular place and they have a, a panic attack. And you experience, we experience it kind of differently. Some of us are like, man, I feel the tightness. When I know I'm worrying, my face tingles. Weird, maybe to you, that's what I experience. My face like literally tingles. Or my stomach mm, churning. I can't sleep. My son, the complete opposite. He's like, oh, dad, when I'm worried, all I want to do is sleep. I'm thinking, man, I wish I could sleep. It's different. I mean, same source. It's this split mind. Here's a description that I can relate to. Worry, a small trickle of fear. See, it always starts, that small trickle of fear that meanders through the mind until it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Maybe you can't relate to that. I can. I, I can relate to waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I have a, it starts with a small trickle, and then every other thought starts falling into that channel. So, <clears throat> how do old things worry, pass away? Or should we just learn to live with it? Because it seems like some of us have just gone, it's just part of my life. But this text is going to reveal something really, really powerful. That we don't need to worry with this huge asterisk. The prescription for worry in this text is for those whom God is a father. So I want to be clear. Everything that we're going to talk about from this text is rooted in this relationship that we have with God now as father because of faith in Jesus Christ. You see, if, if you're not clear on what I'm saying, every single person on the planet has been created by God. Whether they agree with that, they've been created by God. But not every single person on the planet has God as their father. God as father happens when a person admits my sin has separated me from 
my creator. But Jesus has paid that penalty for me. He has done for me what I could not do for myself. And he has reconciled me to my creator who is now not just my creator, but is my heavenly father. And there is a gift. Don't miss this. There is a gift called not needing to worry that we can have as children of the heavenly father, which is why the premise here is one of the old things, worry. In other words, before God is father, I ought to worry. There are things I ought to worry about. That once God is father, I don't need to worry anymore. That's profound. Seriously, that's amazing. What an incredible gift because for, I think, the vast majority of us, even the thought of a worry-free life is so far out there that we can't even get our hand around it. Man, that would be like life-changing, duck, right? And it's what Jesus speaks to here. But he speaks very clearly in the context of your heavenly Father. So it's, it's a gift reserved for those who call him Heavenly Father. All right, so with that, that kind of foundation laid, follow with me. I'm going to start in verse 25 of Matthew 6 and read the whole way through verse 34. And we'll come back and look at four truths that Jesus gives to us to confront our worry. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't know They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, in all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You, little faith. Don't worry then, saying, what will I eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. For those who say, the scripture's just disconnected for life. They've just kind of missed this passage because this be, couldn't be more connected to the reality of life. So, Jesus says, don't worry. Not don't worry, be happy. <laughs> Don't worry, 
Why? First, he says, because what you need to think is this truth. Life is more than food and clothing. Now, when I look at this text, and he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear, I don't think he's thinking about, oh man, this has too much fat in it and too much cholesterol, or this is kind of out of style. I'm not sure if checks are in or stripes or all that. Is he talking about that sort of stuff? No. Uh, That's the sort of stuff actually that we worry about. He's talking about, we don't even need to worry about the basics. See, have you ever thought about the fact that if we really had like, I'm not sure what I'm going to have food to eat, or I'm not sure I'm going to have clothes to wear, then, then our silliness about, does this match? Does this look good? Do I look? That would really be like, why did I ever worry about that? But that's not what he's saying. That's part of what I go is like, wow, is my worry foolish just because of the silliness of the things that I might worry about? When he says, I don't even need to worry about basics. How could I not even worry about basics? What did he say? He said, you don't need to worry about basics about eating, what you'll eat, drink, body, what you'll put on. Why? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? You get what he's saying? He's saying that we have thought of life primarily in physical terms. And life is more than the than the physical. So I, I've had many people say to me, I'm not scared of dying. I am, I am worried about how I'll die. And I get that. So what if you die the way you, like a slow fade? I think most of us would like, Lord, if it's up to us, can we kind of go full throttle and then stop? I don't want to be that that guy. So what if that happens? Then worry? Or what? Recognize. Life's more than health. Life's more than the physical things that I tend to think life is about. See, this is, this is a, a huge confrontation to our thinking that we generally focus on the things that we can see. And what's he say? Life's more than that. Maybe, <laughs> this is not a new thought for Jesus. What's it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You see what he said there? It's the same principle. So you have everything that you could ever want so you'd never have to worry about the things that you worry about. Guess what? If in that scenario, you ignore the spiritual reality of life, all that stuff that you didn't have to worry about was lesser stuff. You see what Jesus is saying? It's not that 
I don't have to worry about any of these things because none of the stuff that I'm afraid of happening will never happen to me because God's my father. (laughs) Jesus died a horrible death on a cross. The will of the father. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Jesus is acknowledging that we tend to think in physical things and life is more than that. Life actually at its highest price tag is a spiritual reality, not a physical reality. So when I worry, and I almost always am worrying on some level about something physical, right? Uh, all, all the things I listed, you're worried about our government or my safety or am I saving enough for retirement? Am I going to be able to send my kids to the school I want to send them to? Jesus says, confront your worry by weighing the matters of your life accurately. By weighing, I mean, think scales. And he's saying, you've weighed the physical things out to weigh more than that which really does weigh more the spiritual things. You tracking? If you're like, that's too abstract for me. This is not abstract at all. The way we weigh things, in other words, the value we put to things absolutely determines whether we worry about them or not. Can I say that again? The way we weigh things, the matter of weight and value we give to things determines how much we worry about them. I know this simply because of the sunglasses principle. Some of you only buy $7 sunglasses because when you lose them, you can say, don't worry about it, they were only $7. Right? But if you bought $300 sunglasses and then you jumped in the ocean and forgot and they're like, now you're worried, why? Because you paid 300 stinking dollars for those suckers. You worried and you don't worry based on the value you placed on them. And Jesus is simply saying, you have made physical life $300 sunglasses and spiritual reality $7 sunglasses, and therefore you're worrying about stuff you don't need to worry about. See, does that make sense now? I think Jesus has, it, has me pegged right on. I messed up the price tax about what really matters in life. And if I'm going to stop worrying, i got to get the price tags right. And i got to stop thinking of $7 things as $300 things. All right. Seek first his kingdom. See, we all know this verse, but now, now hopefully you have a better sense of why this is in this paragraph. Because his core principle is, You overcome worry in your life by thinking about what life is really about and what it's not about. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things be added to you. 
That's the first thought. What? To, to weigh things rightly. Life is more than the physical. Second, look at God's provision for the less valuable. Look at God's provision for the less valuable. This is one of the more memorable parts of the text because Jesus gives this example in it. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth, say it with me, much more? Are you? Yeah. Would that make a difference? Yeah, this is, this is understanding how valuable we are to our God. Give you a, a silly example. We have a cat named Jack, and I have a wife named Jackie. So we have Jack and Jackie. If things went horribly south in our life, and we had no food left in the house, except for one last piece of redfish that I caught from the river. And Jack is staring at me with his... Hey, we named him Jack because he's blind in one eye. So we named him after the pirate. <laughs> he in his one eye is looking at that piece of redfish. And Jackie with her Carolina brown eyes is looking at me with that piece of redfish. Who should worry? <laughs> Who should worry? Jack should worry, right? I mean, really, am I going to go, uh, let's split it. Am I an idiot? Oh, it's my cat. Not even my, it's a cat. It's a cat and my wife. It's an easy value decision. You get the redfish. And when that's gone, you should worry even more, Jack. <laughs> you wouldn't. Well, probably not. But if I had to, don't get lost in that. <laughs> now you go, that is so silly. But it's actually the silliness that I think is so beautiful about it. Jackie being in that worried in that moment is as silly as you and I, who are children of the Heavenly Father, worrying about things in life as if we are of no value to Him. I mean, He really, he, he, I think He would. He would look at us like I would look at Jackie if I saw any worry in her eye and going, no, 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 you're my wife. <laughs> and he looks at you and he says, what's he say? You're my child. You're my child. This is, this is, this is why this prescription for worry is powerfully profound for the children of God. And so... When I'm prone to be anxious, because I'm not old, I'm young. When I'm prone to have anxiety, <laughs> I need to confront that by going, hey, I'm a child of God, made in the 
image of God. He actually placed me on this planet like nothing else he placed on this planet to reflect him and, and what he is like. I bear his image. Nothing else on the planet bears his image but humanity. I'm a child of God, made in the image of God, purchased by the Son of God. That he, again, we all know it, God so loved the world, and when he says the world, he's talking about the humans in the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm a child of God, made in the image of God, purchased by the Son of God, and sealed by the Spirit of God. So that when I believed in Jesus, he said, not only are you going to have my image upon you, I'm going to place myself within you. Could you be of more value? No. He couldn't do any more. Literally, do you hear what I just said? He could do nothing more to show you your value. He made you in his image. He redeemed you by his son. He sealed you by his spirit. And I really think Jesus is saying, how can you worry when you are loved so perfectly? See, me worrying about the things in my life before my heavenly father is actually even more silly than Jackie worrying in that moment with Jack. Because I'm an imperfect husband. And he's a perfect father. And, and that's not just cliche stuff. That, that's like real change your life. I'm a child of a perfect heavenly father. And so I have to tell myself, this is irrational that I'm worrying. Is he going to abandon me? Is he going to go, I've done enough? It's irrational. Now, I'm acknowledging, <laughs> I still do irrational things. But I should at least acknowledge this is irrational. <laughs> that I would be loved the way I'm loved and still worry the way I do. So what do I think when I worry? What's my first thought? Life's more than this. Why have I put such a high price tag on things that are not that high? <laughs> and my father loves me perfectly. He's demonstrated it. Why am I worried? Is he going to abandon me? Is he not going to keep his promise? Is he going to stop loving me? I shared uh, two Thursday nights ago with this new believer this verse, and it was one of these great moments where he's like, he said, this is literally what he said when I showed it to him. He was like, what? I've not gotten this far in my Bible yet. <laughs> he, this is what I shared with him. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us 
all things. Is somehow your good father holding out on you? Oh. When he gave us his son, he said, after giving you the son, anything else after that would be less than what I've already done. And why would I do the greatest and not do the lesser? That is fantastic. If you've lost the wonder and the awe and the greatness of that verse, I hope it's been, it'll be restored to you this morning. That maybe when you're worried, this is a verse that you would quote because you have meditated on it and memorized it or put it on the dash of your car or in the mirror or on your iPad or wherever you find that you worry that you would be, no, that that's irrational. He who did not. And you would bring the truth to confront your worry. Because almost all of us raised our hand. We wish it'd be less. And it can be. When we confront our thoughts with truth. Third, Jesus says, ask yourself, is it helping? I think Dr. Phil stole this from Jesus when he used to ask, how's that working for you? Ask yourself, is worrying helping? The way Jesus said is, and who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? Uh, a guy named Claude McDonald, worriers spend a lot of time shoveling smoke. Think about it. That's, when, when I'm laying in bed and, and all that stuff's running through my mind, what am I accomplishing? Nothing. I'm just cutting the channel deeper. Just shoveling smoke. Busy, but not actually <laughs> accomplishing anything. Some of you know the name. If you're a baseball fan, Great baseball player named Mickey Rivers gives a, I think, one of the most practical thoughts regarding worry that I have um, thought this thought many, many times. Ain't no sense worrying about the things you got control over, because if you got control over them, ain't no sense worrying. And if there ain't no sense worrying about things you got no control over, because if you got no control over them, ain't no sense worrying. That's not out of the Bible, but that's good. What's he, what's, what's he saying? Just ask yourself a question. Can you do anything about it? And some things you worry about, can you do anything about it? Sure. So what should you do? Whatever you can do about it. <laughs> See, there's times I go, just get out of bed, Doug, and do what you can do, and then go back to bed. And if I conclude, is there anything? There's nothing I can do about this. I'm not gaining anything by where I'm just shoveling smoke. So, confront your worry by asking. 
if I have control, and by control, don't get lost in that. I'm not, some of you are saying, I have no control, the sovereignty of God. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, yes, you have control in some things. They, two days ago, Jackie said, oh, it's going to get in the 20s next week. So my pipes might freeze. Can I do anything about that? Yeah. I can lay in bed and go, oh, my pipes might freeze, my pipes might freeze. Or I could go, before I go to bed, I'm going to drip my pipes. See, I can do something about that. Now, could they still freeze and break? Sure. <laughs> so I should lay there and worry about that. Mm, no. I did what I could, and then beyond that... <laughs> if I have control, why worry? And if I don't have control, why worry? That might seem um, too flippant. It's not flippant at all. It's simply saying that we live in a, in a world where God gives us opportunity to take responsibility for some things, and we live in a world where things are completely outside of anything we can control. And where we have opportunity, we ought to take opportunity. And where we don't, we simply go, I, there's nothing I can do about this. But I what? I have a father who loves me perfectly. And the stuff I'm probably worrying about is $7 stuff, not $300 stuff. You see how it all works together? And then he finishes with this fourth thought. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Correct? <laughs> Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, I think what Jesus is teaching us here is that often the things that we are worried about have nothing to do with today. <laughs> they have to do with all of our tomorrows, whether that tomorrow is literally tomorrow, if that tomorrow is five years from now or 10 years from now or 20 years from now. And what happens is we get overloaded, we get anxious when we get past the realities of today and we start importing, and we're good at this, we're, we're, we start thinking ahead and we import the troubles that will come someday, but they're not today, they're tomorrow, or the myriad of tomorrows. And we try to address tomorrow's concerns today. And today wasn't made for tomorrow's concerns. Today was made for today's concerns. Let me take maybe a, a verse that you've known for a long time and apply it. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. See, there, there is a, a life 
and a discipline that Jesus is teaching that says, don't get ahead of yourself. My grace will be sufficient for you today. But I have this capacity to import tomorrow's concerns in today, but don't have the capacity to import tomorrow's grace into today. So I deal with today and tomorrow's problems with only today's grace. And it's then overload. See what I'm saying? So it's this discipline to go, Doug, don't get ahead of yourself. So last Monday, uh, I had a memorial service in here for a, a lady that I had the privilege of being a youth pastor in. And I want to be a minister of God in those moments. But I know that I also have the capacity to bring the concerns of what's going to happen on Monday into the previous days. So I've tried to teach myself when somebody, hey, you ready for Monday? And they ask me on Friday to say this. It's only Friday. And I'm not being flippant. I'm trying to Practice what Jesus says. It's only Friday. I'm going to believe that when Monday comes, the Lord will give me what I need for Monday. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't try to plan on Friday <laughs> for Monday if the Lord gives opportunity. But believe. This has helped me. Maybe this will help you. It's not Monday yet. And when Monday comes, there'll be grace for Monday. My friend, uh, Cindy, has assigns all her emails. Grace for, grace for today. That's a good truth to live by. Grace for today. Because when today gets here, there'll be grace for today. When tomorrow gets here, there'll be grace for today. So I want to, I want to confront my worry with this. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm going to confront it with, I'm going to live today with the grace for Today, believing that when tomorrow becomes today, there'll be grace for today. And when then 10 years comes, there'll be grace for that day. Grace for today. So whatever number you gave your level of worry, I genuinely hope you'll take these core thoughts and begin to think of them and, and the old pass away and new come. Because life is more than the physical things I've made about it. And God loves me perfectly. 
And worry is not helping. And there is always sufficient grace for today. When today comes. It's good stuff that Jesus gave us. It won't automatically help. You'll have to think them in the moment. You'll have to take, if you took notes, and I hope you did, I hope you will go. I'm going to think these thoughts very specifically when I worry, so I stop worrying. A practice that we do as a body, as instructed by Jesus, is to remember how much he loves us by remembering his death on the cross for the taking of the Lord's Supper. So I want us to, to take our final minutes. Now, stay with me here. Don't move into a religious practice zone. We're taking the Lord's Supper and remembering the death of Jesus because the death of Jesus is the ultimate expression of the love of God for you. If you've never received his love by faith, I invite you during this time to put your trust in Jesus to be your Savior. If you have, apply the truth of the gospel to this moment of worry in your life. He loves me. I need not worry. Guys, come and, and as they pass the elements, there'll be a, a broken cracker reminding us of the broken body, sinless body of Jesus, a cup that holds juice, a reminder of the blood of Christ. As they're passing it, uh, there's going to be some scripture up on the screen. And we'll put that scripture up there. Thanks. Thank you. We're going to put the scripture up here as a reminder of how much your God loves you. So think on these things. We're going to read scripture, and that will lead us, and then we'll take together in a moment. But fix your mind on the truth of God toward you.
How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure Mar the chosen one, bring many sons to glory. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. So with the elements in your hand, these are the reminder, I need not worry. You say that? I need not worry. He loves me. He couldn't love me more. And so, Father, thank you for sending your Son and Lord Jesus. Thank you for your obedience, even to the point of death, death on a cross. Thank you for loving us, for taking our place, for being a good shepherd, for leading us wherever you lead us. We want to seek your, thing, your kingdom first and your righteousness first. Let's take in remembrance of Jesus. I invite you to stand. Let's declare this together.
just saying that we just said we are the Lord's and he will never forsake his own that's a good truth to remember in the times that we're tempted to worry and so hey we're really glad that you're here one of the ways that we combat worry and anxiety the scripture tells us is through prayer we have people who are here to pray with you individually men and women both between the auditoriums that would love to be able to do that listen to what the scripture says as we go it says be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known to God and here's his promise the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus hope you have a blessed Sunday thanks for being here see you next time